Today on the Political Theory of Everything, we will be giving you your daily dose of news for today's date, Sunday, June 27th. To start off today's episode, we will be looking at an article from the Daily Wire, the title of this one. NCAA and North Carolina State's College World Series run due to COVID issues. So, I'm sure you guys have all heard about this already, but North Carolina State's baseball team entered Friday's game against Vanderbilt with a chance to advance to the College World Series final for the first time in school history, but the school won't be getting that opportunity, not because they were eliminated off the field, but because of COVID-19. On Friday, North Carolina State was forced to play its game against the Commodores with just 13 players, 9 position players, and 4 pitchers because of COVID-19 protocols. Earlier on Friday, ESPN reported that North Carolina State's starting second baseman JT Jarrett and reliever Evan Justice would miss the game due to COVID protocols and that Jarrett tested positive Friday morning uh, for COVID-19. And so uh, Vanderbilt ended up winning the game 3-2-1, setting up a winner-take-all game on Saturday with the winner advancing to the College World Series final. Unfortunately, the game will never happen, and North Carolina State's season has ended. At 1:10 on Saturday morning, the NCAA ruled Saturday's game between North Carolina State and Vanderbilt a no contest, a.k.a. no game, Vanderbilt wins. And so that is due to all of the covid protocols that they are doing and so the ncaa released a statement basically saying that um vanderbilt wins and so this is this is big so uh according to aaron fit of d1baseball.com quote two unvaccinated north carolina state players tested positive for covid19 this week prompting the ncaa to test the entire roster including vaccinated players Uh, There were four additional positive tests, and they were all vaccinated. So we have four out of six cases on this team being vaccinated people. So the question being raised here, obviously, there's two things here, the North Carolina State team and the vaccine. So does the vaccine, just in this controlled group, granted it's six cases versus millions of tests. So does this put in question the effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccine on maybe younger kids, I mean, younger guys, I shouldn't say kid, younger adults. Um, And if it does, then should they bother taking it? But anyways, moving on, they, they kept asking, you know, oh, who's vaccinated, who's not, and stuff like that. And a lot of people asked if the coach would require his players to get vaccinated. And he basically says that that's their choice. That's not mine. And so he, this is actually what he says, quote, I don't try to indoctrinate my kids with my values or my opinions. Obviously, we talk about a lot of things, but these are young men that can make their own decisions, and that's what they did, end quote. Obviously, I mean, they, they ask the question, oh, is, are, well, were they vaccinated? Why should it matter in this situation when the majority of the people, the people who got COVID were majority vaccinated? Like four out of six. Two out of three, 66% of people with COVID on the North Carolina State baseball team were vaccinated. So I don't even think that's a valid question. First of all, oh, are they vaccinated? Well, obviously it doesn't matter in this situation. And the second thing is these guys have been working their entire lives to, to get to the higher level, level of baseball. And then when they get to that higher level of baseball, they work even harder to get to the championship. And now they're here 
and they have to cancel it all and give up because a few of them got COVID-19. That's that's mind-blowing. Six people got COVID-19 and suddenly the entire team, nope, you can't play. So it's kind of pathetic on the NCAA side to do this to them. And they've been bashed like massively by pretty much everyone uh, for doing this. And so this is certainly going to see... NCAA is certainly going to see a lot of kickback, kickback on this one. And I wouldn't be shocked if this World Series that they're having, or their championship, I should say, just doesn't have as many turnout... doesn't have as much turnout for their viewership. But we will see. But anyways, big story in the news recently. Um, moving on to our next article. All right. This article comes from the BBC, and it is reporting again on the building collapse out north of Miami. Uh, and so the news currently is that the rescue workers have been making great progress. They've dug a trench uh, 125 feet in length and 40 feet deep that they're using to help rescue people out of the debris. There was a fire that was impeding them, but they've been able to get that under control, and uh, they're making great progress. As to the investigation of what's happened, not much has been uh, made too clear, and not much has been revealed, but in 2018, there was an engineer's report that said there was major structural damage to the concrete platform uh, beneath the swimming pool deck and they refer to it as uh, abundant cracking of columns, beams, and walls in the garage. And while the engineer did say that this should be carried out in a timely fashion, there's no reason to believe that uh, it would have been such a danger. However, seeing stress like that could have been, uh, you know, just an effect of a larger problem that caused this collapse. Yeah, and that's be, all we've got. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on that, see what they end up saying the reason most likely was. But until then, we're going to move on to the next article from The Blaze, and the title of this one, Democratic Socialist Jamal Bowman requested special police protection despite demanding to defund the police, saying cops, quote, serve the institution of white supremacy, end quote. So, freshman representative Jamal Bowman, from, uh, he was a Democrat from New York, requested special police protection to guard his home, according to a new report. Bowman, a Democratic Socialist, allegedly asked for increased police protection despite being a staunch supporter of the defund police, defund the police movement and asserting that policing his, is rife with, quote-unquote, white supremacy. So, um, this, is, this is quite the funny thing to see because we see this a lot with the defund the police where they'll be like, defund the police, and then you'll see them walking down the street with like bodyguards around them, <clears throat> LeBron James. Like, you'll see, like, LeBron James walking out of the basketball game or walking to a basketball game or something like that, and he'll be surrounded by cops, and then he'll turn around, you know, and tweet something out. Cops, bad. You're next. Things like that. And it's just very funny to see the double standard really being highlighted uh, by a lot of those defund the police people. And this is just, I mean, a very blatant case of it where they know that they'll always be safe up in their nice homes, so they don't care, and they just want to fuel the mob so that they can be able to get reelected. I mean, you know, they 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 are trying to keep their their base, so they appeal to their base and no no better way than to do that through race wars. And so 
Bowman asked for increased police presence at his home in Yonkers, New York, after the U.S. Capitol uh, riot on January 6th. And so uh, this is just now coming out, basically. And it's it's interesting uh, because the police haven't seen anything around his home that would say that he needs more protection or anything like that. But there's a lot of quotes here. Um, from him, there's about 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 9. There's 9 of them. It's basically just talking about how we need to defund the police and how the police forces are racist and white supremacist. And yeah, so there's a lot of quotes here. I won't read them, but it's, it's just a really interesting thing to see happening. Not a surprise, though, at all. So on to our next article. Our fourth article comes from The Guardian, and it's covering uh, some of the interesting facts that have been revealed by the uh, Ghislaine Maxwell uh, documentary that they've been working on for the past couple years. And uh, it's been revealed through all the interviews and cross-referencing they've done this past several years to create this documentary that she was actually uh, working with Jeffrey Epstein, who I'm sure you're all familiar with by this time, as early as the 1980s, constructing a black book, if you will, of um, influential people and other connections so that they could, you know, sort of exert their power over them or make the right connections to put themselves in places of power that they found to uh, be appealing or to serve their goals. Um, <clears throat> some of the stuff that they've pulled up is pretty interesting, though not really relevant to her case that's going to be uh, potentially this autumn. That's when we're looking at having her case. She's currently being charged uh, with, I think it's cooperation charges helping Jeffrey Epstein with sex trafficking and enticing minors. And these charges have, you know, been go going back quite a while and through many years of just really horrible stuff that she and Jeffrey Epstein have been up to. So hopefully uh, the research in this documentary helps the authorities and then they can charge her and put her case to rest for good. Yeah, and then we are going to add in one more article. This one is an opinion article from the New York Post, and it's the title of this one, How the Republican Party Can Win Gen Z, Who is Less Radical Than You Think. Uh, apparently this was written by someone who is part of Gen Z. So it opens up. From erecting campus cry closets to demanding all white people be banished from campus, Gen Z is often characterized by its extremist fringes. But Gen Z is not as radical as campus horror stories might suggest. In fact, 20% are registered Republicans, and I myself am among the additional 42% who identify as independent. In fact, Gen Z is nearly twice as independent as the general electorate. Gen Z, those of us born between roughly 1997 and 2012, is coming out of voting age as rapidly as the older Republican voter bloc is waning. As the GOB rebrands in the post-Trump, post-pandemic era, it has a huge opportunity to make inroads with this new my open-minded contingent. 
but appealing to Gen Z will require significant modernization and compromise. Calls for pro progress are coming from young voters of every political persuasion. In fact, while Gen Z Democrats are almost politically identical to their older counterparts, generational differences among Republicans are far more stark. Young Republicans want a more dynamic party that meets them in the middle in two, on two major concerns, environmental and social. While the Democratic Party champions progress on both, the GOP remains lukewarm on the issues and as a result, risks breeding a generation of Democrats by default. As the inheritors of a depleted planet, only 18% of Gen Z Republicans deny that humans contribute to climate change as compared to around a third of older generations. If the GOP can deliver viable free market alternatives to the restrictive environmental policies coming from the left, their appeal to Gen Z would skyrocket. Quote, there's a difference between being climate alarmist and be just being climate conscious, end quote, a 21-year-old student, Christopher Wells, told me. Quote again, even just giving a small nod to the issue would do so much for young voters, end quote. Pushing for innovation and offering economic incentives to businesses fighting climate change is just one way the GOP could show it's, it's on Team Green. So the article continues with other things, talking about how they could better appeal to Gen Z. And... It mentions the gender identity later, so I'll just read that. I'll skip ahead to that. Meanwhile, Gen Z Republicans say society does not uh, do enough to accept gender non-conforming people at a rate three times higher than some older Republican generations. Many Gen Z voters imagine Republicans as rigid, evangelizing traditionalists. By adopting a more live-and-let's-live live philosophy in favor of cultural conservatism, the GOP would appeal to young people. So that's a very interesting thing there, basically saying that the Republicans should be more open to accepting basically the LGBTQ community. And that's where I think when you look at Republicans, they tend to be religious. So it's not so much that it's because they're Republican that they're against it, but that they're, you know, like Christian or something. But that's because in their religion, it's wrong. And that's where a lot of people nowadays mix up Christianity because they would say that if a Christian says, like, don't do that sin, then the person takes it as a personal attack at their identity and not, a, not an attack at the sin. And in reality, when a, when a Christian says that, they're attacking the sin, not the identity. But the mix-up nowadays is that the person's sexuality and all that is their identity. So when someone bashes their LGBTQ, that or the fact that they are, or says you know that's wrong. That's instead of to the to the Christian, they're just they're just saying, hey, that sin is wrong. But to that person of the LGBTQ, they're saying, your they take it as your identity is wrong. And so there's a very big disconnect there. But I don't think that's. I mean, Republicans would basically a lot of. I mean, for a Christian to just accept that would be a huge turn, and as well as other religions. And so. That's an interesting request of the GOP to become more accepting towards the LGBTQ. And so, an interesting article. But it looks like Gen Z almost wants to... I mean, based off that, it's almost like they want to be... Like, they don't like the ideas of far leftists. I mean, like communism and socialism, which I'm realizing there's really two sides on that. I mean, a younger person either likes socialism or they absolutely hate it in this in the... Gen Z generation. And so 
something to keep an eye on as they grow up. Obviously, a big chunk might be independent just because they don't know politics quite well yet. And so they just choose independent because they don't know or because they are Republican and they don't want to be outed as being a Republican and facing the consequences for that. And so, once again, just an interesting, interesting thing to be watching out for. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that um, <clears throat> maybe what Gen Z is looking for fits a lot with Republican policies, but when people think of the Republican Party, like you're saying, they think of a, a very specific type of person. And I think that what conservative ideology is about is promoting and maintaining uh, standards or morals, right? So I think that that is a lot of what they are trying to do. And because most of Republicans happen to be Christian as well, the traditions and morals that they're trying to promote and maintain are Christian ones. So I think that um, as Gen Z comes around and looks at what they want to do policy-wise, they'll end up more on the Republican side if they can you know, stomach other people with differing uh, morals, like Christians, who are not always on the public side, as you're saying. Uh, the author of that article wants them to be more open to gender identity and things like that. But definitely an interesting thing to see, because I know for a lot of what I would consider liberal friends of mine, Gen Z, when you really talk about it, at the end of the day, they do want to come around to a lot of the things that Republicans say and agree on, and then it's really just a few fine lines that they can't stomach or they can't reconcile. Yep. That concludes our episode today. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful Sunday night and a wonderful start to your week. Thank you so much for joining us.